0: Know your enemies and know your friends. This study of the book of Hebrews gives us a big picture understanding as Christians of here are the tricks the devil likes to play, but also helps us understand where our strength can be found and also the opportunities that are there for us. As we begin this study now, beginning at Hebrews chapter 2, verse five, a question for you. What would you say is the greatest human accomplishment that has ever occurred we're not talking spiritually but just if you were to talk to any friends that you might have and ask them what is it that humans have accomplished that stands out would they say flight or a man on the moon or the invention of the alphabet or electricity the Industrial Revolution what would be the greatest human accomplishment I mean there are many on the other hand, what if you were to make a list of the greatest human failures? Would you think of war? Would you think of technology that has been turned to a very evil purpose? As much as we can think of human accomplishments, we can also think of human failures. and That might lead us to look down on humanity it's interesting as the writer to the hebrews brings us into this new section having spent a lot of time explaining how if the competition is between jesus and angels or finally jesus and anything else jesus always wins because he simply is the best he's the most powerful he has brought about our salvation that the temptation for christians is to yeah like we know about jesus but we don't view it as like a critical thing that you have to continue fighting for spiritually and so we drift right we're in that river it's going downstream our boat and if we're not paddling against the current if we're not paddling against the spiritual deceptions of the devil then we are in trouble and so what constitutes paddling it's using god's law to expose our sin that we are confessing thinking about acknowledging our sin that we're using god's gospel to reveal our savior that we are then comforted and at peace so we know we don't need to be afraid and then we are praying asking god to strengthen us for the struggle because we know that we are not strong enough on our own right and and as the writer to the hebrews is showing how jesus is all there is and if you've got competitors like angels that that's not really a competitor jesus is still all there is he now takes that kind of vein of thought and moves in a slightly different direction I'm going to look at chapter 2 verse 5 through verse 9 so it is not to angels that God has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking but there's a place where someone has testified what is man that you are mindful of him the son of man that you care for him you made him a little lower than the angels you crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet in putting everything under him God left nothing that is not subject to him and yet at present we do not see everything subject to him but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. If you were given a choice today to be a human or to be an angel, what would you choose? If we were raising hands I'm not sure how many hands would go to the ceiling when I would ask so how many of you would like to be an angel I think there's a lot of impressive things about angels you might think well if I was an angel I'd already get to be in the presence of God so I wouldn't have to go through any of the challenges that are going on right now to understand God's perspective on that question or at least the one that we find here in the book of Hebrews we have to work through a few words In the quotation that I read and that's what it was it was a quotation from a psalm that the writer of the to the Hebrews is referencing he he talks about God putting everything under his feet so you made him a little lower than the angels and God put everything under his feet so what does that mean I guess to understand the answer to that question we have to know who the Him is that had everything put under His feet, right? Who is that His? We'd also need to know what the everything is. If you were to think about options for what that could mean, maybe you're thinking, well, like, it does go on to talk about Jesus. Is it maybe talking about Jesus that everything is put under His feet already when the writer to the Hebrews is quoting the Psalm? And what's the everything? Well, like, that might be impacted by who we understand the His to be. Could it be Jesus? Is it possible that it's talking about mankind in general? When one goes back and looks at Psalm 8, and also there's a clue in Hebrews chapter 2, I think it is very fair to say that those under whom God put everything were humanity. That's what happened at the beginning of the world, right? God put Adam and Eve in charge of all of his creation. Now the fact is that Jesus does come up here and it talks about God putting everything under his feet that God didn't subject the world to come to angels but who was going to be the proper recipient of this role of being in charge of everything. Jesus is the ultimate but in the psalm very naturally can be understood to be thinking back on the original creation of the world when God put all things in the world under the feet of humanity. Now, Just imagine if Adam and Eve had continued to serve in a godly way, if they hadn't fallen into sin. Right? God's design was that humans rule everything. The, the reason that Jesus comes into the picture ultimately is because humans didn't carry out their job as overseers of the world properly. There was a doubting of God a questioning of God they fell into sin and now they deserve to be punished they deserve to lose all of their role as a ruler of the world what was beautiful in the part of God is that he said I I'm going to restore that and w- what he did is he sent his son to be the perfect substitute for humanity so that he could do right what they had done wrong so that he could bear the guilt that they had Uh, accumulated and take their guilt away and so Jesus becomes the ultimate in humanity right crowned with glory and honor everything put under his feet well what the writer to the Hebrews does is he says here was God's original design that humans have everything put under their feet nothing was left that was not subject to him but we don't see everything subject to humanity because of the fall into sin right but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels he now crowned with glory and honor he tasting death for everyone and we'll kind of save that for just a moment but but check that out Jesus was made a little lower than the angels just like all of humanity was at the beginning of time and Jesus is crowned with glory and honor because he conquered all of those enemies that Adam and Eve had fallen prey to so what's happening God has this perfect understanding of what should be and gives man and woman at the beginning of the world he gave humanity authority over all creation and they blew it and God says we're going to put that back together again I'm going to have my son become a human also and then ultimately win the victory and get the glory and honor and, and in the end by faith in Jesus, forgiven, humanity is restored to their original design. That that believers are going to rule with Christ because Jesus re-put into place the design that God originally had for humanity. So here we have man being made a little lower than the angels but so who would you rather be an angel or humanity well humanity was the crown of god's creation angels were given to serve people it's such a blessing to be a human and of course especially as jesus now has reversed the course of what we have brought on ourselves but just think of it for a moment When you know what God's design is for humans, that you are the crown of his creation, you are the ultimate in what he has made. How does that change your attitude, your actions, your attitude toward life, your actions in life? What that's reminding you of is that you are a noble creature. We do need to talk about sin, and we do need to talk about our need for a savior, but just in so far as you are a human being, you can look in the mirror. And what put that little sign up that says you are special well you don't, maybe you don't need that sign but you can know that you are a special creation of God sometimes people especially because of the effects sin has had on us they can look at themselves and say like I'm worthless I don't have a lot of value no we need to talk about the role that Jesus plays in that but we can also recognize God's original design for humanity to know that you are special You have a place in being responsible for the world that God has given us to to show love to your fellow humans we have such a special place that God has designed for us but as, as as we've said we've got to go to talk about what were the impacts of sin and what did Jesus have to do with that and that's why to know that we are a lost race embraced by Jesus is the next proper proper place to go check this out Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 in bringing many sons to glory so it was fitting or Jesus tasted death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone and now in bringing many sons to glory which was God's design in sending Jesus it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists making us think about creation should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers he says I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation I will sing your praises and again I will put my trust in him Jesus is going to be like us a human trusting in his father as he set aside the full use of his divine power and authority and then again he says here am I in the children God has given me since the children have flesh and blood so we're related to Jesus he too shared in our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death for surely it's not angels he helps but abraham's descendants for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might be a, become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to god and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he is tempted he's able to help those who are being tempted we could go on and on and on and on let's rewind the tape for just a moment there it says in bringing many sons to glory it was fitting that God should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering and you shake your head a little bit and you say is that the way it needed to be that why would God say it was right it was fitting to make the author of our salvation perfect through suffering why suffering What we see repeated again and again in this section is that Jesus says you are my family right he considered humanity his family and and finally one becomes a part of his family through faith in what he has done to blow him off to say I don't believe that that's what you are is to lose out on all of the blessings that Jesus has come to win but the fact is that Jesus has made you, as a child of God, one who knows that he is your Savior. He came to earth as your brother. Have have there ever been things that have happened in your life where you've said, I don't know if anyone else has ever experienced this, and that's been hard because you've wanted to talk to someone about it. Maybe you've found a friend, you can say some of the things, and they seem to understand at least a part of it, but you ever wondered, like, there's nobody like me, there's nobody who can understand exactly what I've been going through is that true jesus is your brother jesus is your family god found it fitting to have him brought to his goal through suffering because jesus became like us in every way except that he was without sin would you say that your life has suffering in it absolutely jesus took on our pain And it wasn't just suffering in a little way right it was ultimately death Jesus took on our death because someone had to die someone had to suffer the consequences of all of the sins that we have committed and the Lord said I don't want you to suffer for that so Jesus says I'll do it I will take that suffering and make it my own I will take your death your consequences and make it my own it was fitting that Jesus suffered because that made him your savior now what's so sad of course is that there are so many who don't know that they need Jesus even though there's something about their lives that is so far off if you could think of a neighbor that you have who you know does not love Jesus and and you were to go up to your neighbor and, and you would say I know what's wrong you're a slave to death He'll They'll say I'm, I'm not a slave like that's offensive I, I'm not a slave to anything I'm not a slave to death if you were to think through well like what's the evidence that your neighbor is a slave to death what's the evidence that all of us by nature before conversion were slaves like what does it mean that you're a slave to death it means that whatever you're a slave to is the master over you think about all of the evidence that people who live on this earth apart from Christ are are driven by death by their fear of death right like that becomes the worst thing that could ever happen all of this effort and energy is put in to, to try to avoid just the possibility of death I know it's not that we don't love the life that God has given us and it's not that it's wrong to seek out doctors and medicine when we need help but it's one thing if you're seeking out a doctor in medicine to prolong your life so that you can joyfully serve God more while you know you will you will die anyway and uh, you just would like to serve God for a little longer it's that's different than seeing death like a ticking time bomb that you can hear the clock ticking And what you're thinking is like oh no I'm running out of time like I've got to get this pleasure I have to be able to enjoy this I have to try to grab and grab and make this mine and make this mine and that the the dread of death is hanging over even the pursuit of pleasure and then when suffering and sorrow come it can become even more traumatic because now I'm scared to death and I'm gonna I can't die I can't die Jesus came to set people free from the slavery to death for you a human who have you brought death into your own life just by the fact that you were born to a sinful human but also through the things that you have done that are wrong to see that Jesus loved you so much that to be human is not to be well it's a little bit lower than the angels but to be crowned with glory and honor and through Jesus who actually walked your road and got the victory that you have that victory to see Jesus as a human to see your own humanity but to see Jesus as a human it's like (laughs) there couldn't be anything better than that Jesus loves humans Jesus loves you and that is an incredible gift that changes everything you don't look down on yourself anymore because you're a human you you are washed you are cleansed you are forgiven and you have a life of opportunity to serve to take care of the place where we live to care about the other people that live in this place. And you're not afraid. Like I, I've sometimes wondered, like, how long would I like to live? And you know, there are moments where you're thinking, wow, like it'd be amazing to live. A hundred years or whatever. Now, if you maybe talk to somebody who's a little closer to that, they're thinking, oh, like, I would love to be in heaven. I mean, we all would love to be in heaven right now. Every moment that God gives you is a gift. And if you've got a day, you can wake up in the morning not dreading what might come. You can wake up in the morning and say, I am the crown of God's creation, a human. I have been purchased from the slavery to death by Jesus, my Savior. I don't have to be afraid to die anymore. I'm going to live forever. What am I going to do with this day? It's like, wow, like what, what opportunities we have to serve. The writer to the Hebrews is not done. So he now says to us, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, and and we do, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful. As a servant in all God's house testifying to what would be said in the future but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast this is a little bit of Hebrew past right Moses great hero hero of faith and what God is teaching us here is that first of all we are the house and Moses was a servant in that house believers are the house and Moses served believers by speaking about the coming Messiah but Jesus is like he's faithful too, but he's on a completely different level he's over the house he rules the house he was what Moses was writing about so you'll remember we've talked a little bit about things that were competing for the attention the honor of Hebrews in 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 that day and one of them was angels and no Jesus is better than that and maybe another one would be Moses and says no Jesus is better than that And Jesus being better than Moses is the reason that we want to stare at him now like just look at Jesus just fix your eyes on Jesus not when you're driving well like when you're driving you still think about Jesus think about Jesus but the idea is that he is the focus of our faith and connected to him are some very important words courage hope, confidence, courage, expectation, hope, that when you have Jesus, you have reason to be confident and you have reason to look forward to the future, even though you don't see it yet. But the writer to the Hebrews knows that Christians are tempted to let go of their confidence, to let go of that hope. And so for all of the wonderful things we've had a chance to think about so far we're now going to hear a warning and listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says he says so as the Holy Spirit says today if you you hear yours hear his voice don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during this is talking by the way it's a psalm and it's talking about the Jews during the time of the Exodus when they were like right they left and they were supposed to go in the land of Canaan they didn't believe that God was gonna get them in so they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years he says today if you hear his voice don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did that is why I was angry with that generation I said their hearts are always going astray they have not known my ways so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest see to it brothers now he's talking to you he's talking to me that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the Living God We'd say, no 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 I never would want to do that But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness we've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first as has just been said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion who were they who heard and rebelled were they not all those Moses had led out of Egypt yes they were that's who they were and with whom was he angry for 40 years was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell fell in the desert yes that's who it was and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed yes that's who he did swear they would never enter into his rest so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief it's like whoa has this taken a turn thinking about the greatness of being the crown of God's creation and Jesus coming in and becoming a human just like us to set us free from slavery to death and now what today Do not harden your hearts. Like, have you ever thought, oh, that's the last thing that I would want to do? Yeah, like, yes. But have you ever thought that's the last thing that I could ever do? Every one of us is capable in a horrible way of turning our backs on Jesus. The Lord wants you to know that. And now we want to know how do we not do that I'd like you to think about one part of what I just read it says encourage one another daily as long as it is called today now listen so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness that's what we don't want to be hardened by sins deceitfulness think of those words hardened by sins deceitfulness if you were to draw a picture which showed those ideas hardened by sins deceitfulness what would your picture look like just think about that for a moment hardened by sins deceitfulness I don't know exactly what you'd come up with if you'd come up with like a a very soft roll, good to eat. It just sits there for a while, a long while, try to bite into it, hard as a rock. What is it that can take a soul, a heart that's soft, that loves the Lord Jesus, and make it that way? Deceit. It is not Jesus, our Savior, the God man about something like that it is a lie the lie of sin sin is deceitful it'll say to you oh like just one little look at something that you should not be seeing and one little desire something you should not be thinking it will say yeah you've got a right to assume the worst about that person to cut him or her down because you know that person has done bad things in the past so it's probably true that they've done this as well you know it's wrong at your place of work to be less than faithful to work hard when your supervisors watching but when your supervisor isn't watching take advantage of whatever you can get away with like all of those things they feel really good in the moment but it is a lie and sometimes we see the evidence in our own lives where we don't end up being very productive and we're one of the first people that loses our jobs but that is not the big deal The big deal is that as we grow comfortable with sin, and does does the devil start little in our minds and just get bigger and bigger as we grow comfortable with sin? That heart is getting stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. We do not want to die spiritually we do not want to become hard in our hearts what are we to do we thank god for telling us how it happens and to know that sin is a lie is to love god's truth to know that i've got a weapon to wield against that desire to look at something i shouldn't look at we've got a weapon to wield against that inclination to speak badly about someone where we know they've done something bad in the past but we've got a weapon to wield when we're tempted to be lazy we have the direction the perfect will of God to say that is a sin that is a sin that's a lie devil that's a lie I don't want to do that to run to say no to sin and then in those moments when we reflect on the fact that and maybe you're thinking this right now I didn't say no to that sin yesterday there's another lie the devil tells and that is a lie that Jesus did nothing for you remember he became your brother to take on your death to to be punished and suffer for all of your sins it's okay because Jesus puts his arm around you and tells you you are forgiven that is another lie that you can make run by the powerful word and will of god that is the heart of our fight against temptation that is the heart of not turning away from the lord that is the heart of having a heart that is soft in love with the lord that is the heart of our confidence and hope it's it's christ it's the messiah he is the one that we stare at, we don't wanna look anywhere else. He's the reason that I have peace. And He's the reason that we have hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know the power of deception. Forgive us for the times we have fallen, strengthen us to take on that enemy in the future, fill us with peace knowing that our Savior has walked the road perfectly in our place, it is dressed in Jesus that we stand before you as innocent. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen.